And we're back live on your number one sports podcast, All Things Sports, brought to you by Small Town Productions. I'm your co-host, Small Town EP, joined by your host, Wade Julian, and special guest for the evening, Big Kev Shot It. From upset central in college basketball to NBA tread deadline to Mbappe to La Liga in Spain, ATS is back to give you the real in sports. Gentlemen, the stage is set. Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, Sunday, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey defending their Super Bowl championship title versus Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, and Christian McCaffrey. How does a team, Julian, who everyone, including me, said was on a revenge tour, now be the team who, in November, a lot of people said would not be present to defend their title? By the way, I don't know if I caught the question there, but my my thing is... uh... They're the Chiefs, bro. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey. I think if you have that group of guys in your locker room, you have a chance against anybody, and they've proved that. Obviously, this year, Steve Spagnolo is like the wild card in all of this, and, and he's played one of the biggest roles in all of this for the Chiefs. But um, I think the fact that you can lean on a coach like Reid and a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, that's enough to kind of get you there almost. And then – you know, when you when you throw in little factors like Kelsey and when I say little, but uh, factors like Kelsey and uh, Steve Spagnuolo in that defense, man, that's how they're here. Kevin, I'm going to throw the same question to you. How did we get here in the season in, uh, you know, a redo of a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, Niners Chiefs? How did both these teams get here? It would be the first question I want to ask you. Yeah, I mean, I think San Francisco was kind of the favorite all year to kind of get there. Everybody kind of has seen that this has been the most complete football team when they're healthy. Um, As far as the Chiefs, I said it back in week 14, 15 on this show, like if I had to put my money anywhere, it's on Mahomes and the Chiefs. Just like Julian just said, like I know a lot of people counted them out. I wasn't one of them. Um, I just think he's the new LeBron, he's the new Brady. Like, that's a guy that you just don't bet against. And, um, yeah, I, I, I stick with that. Is that that's that's a guy that when it comes time postseason, like, we see guys elevate their games. Um, and he's shown time and time again that his game rises above another level, rises to another level when it comes time, when it comes January, February. And we got Steve Spagnolo on the Chiefs defense, known obviously for game planning, shutting down key players on the opposite side of the field. You know, we did it to Tua, Tyreek, to a certain extent, did it to Josh Allen, did it to Lamar. And now the 49ers have way too many key players. Like it's just, you can go Debo, you can go CMC, you can, on you, it just, you can go anywhere that, anywhere that they want, they can go. How does Steve Spagnuolo game plan for this 49ers offense, June? I think that's a very complex question. Um, I'm glad I'm not Steve Spagnolo, and, and, and that's not my job to have to worry about because, I, listen, I know it's Super Bowl week now, but I'm sure that right after that game, uh, well, after the Niners clinched the NFC, I'm sure Spags was, you know, in his office trying to figure out what we're going to do to stop Christian McCaffrey. But if I'm 
Steve Spagnolo, the way that I'm going about this defensively is stop the run, right? We're going to sell on the run and we're going to force Brock Purdy to win this game. You know, we heard a lot of noise from outsiders, whether it's the Cam Newtons or uh, people calling Brock Purdy a game manager. Um, whether they're right or wrong, I think you need to go with that narrative and make Brock Purdy prove himself. Make Brock Purdy prove that I am a guy who can go out and win this game, win this game for the team. You know, I am the guy that was the missing piece so that, uh, you know, when, you know, me, I hate on Jimmy G all the time. Uh, Jimmy G, if they maybe had a little bit better quarterback play, they win that Super Bowl in 2020. But that's neither here nor there. If I'm Spagnolo, Christian McCaffrey is is what's keeping me up at night. And the, and the only thing that I'm, you know, cons- when I say only thing, I mean, this is my priority. Right. So stopping CMC. And that's easier said than done. Is there another player, Kev, that you think Spagnolo should hone in on, shut down as opposed to CMC or is CMC that guy? You're still muted, buddy. First time that's happened to me. Um, I think I still am a believer. I think I've said it on here. Their most important player to me on offense is Debo Samuel. Uh, you look at the game that they've lost, they didn't have Debo. Uh, and then the one game that they did lose where they did have Debo, he didn't have a great game. Um, four catches for 42 yards, I believe. So make Brock Purdy throw the football and eliminate Debo. Uh, I believe that Ravens game, Kittle had a great game. McCaffrey had over 100 yards rushing. Debo only had about 40 yards receiving on four catches. So I think the big thing for uh, Spags is how can I take Debo out of this game? How can I eliminate him from their game plan? And then rely on, you got to rely on uh, Brock Purdy at that point to uh, to involve other guys and try to make make throws to win to win the football game. And I think that's where Kansas City can win the football game. Yeah, I look. I don't know who which one of you. I, first off, you know I hate agreeing with either of you on this pod, but it's kind of tough when it's an, with an A. It's an A and B thing, and you know I'm you know C the co-host type of thing. I think I think it's going to be more of a CMC type of shutdown game that Spagnolo has to play. It, he like he's just a man. Like he he he's it. He if I think if you can contain CMC and force everyone else to beat you, which again, kudos to his 49ers team. It's really not hard to have anyone else outside of CMC beat you. Like that's kind of needless to say obviously goes without saying but i think if you can contain christian uh christian mccaffrey play our game you know i think the chiefs could could come out victorious in a in a back-to-back super bowl i do see a very defensive game really i don't know if either of these quarterbacks are going to be able to get off necessarily um we did see the chiefs have their struggles as far as wide receivers early on in the year they you know kind of honed it down, nickeled it down. How does this 49ers offense match up with this Kansas City Chiefs defense, Julian? I mean, this is one of the more dynamic offenses in the league, if not the most, as far as just weapons and, you know, having an elite pass catcher at tight end, um, the best running back in the league, and a running back, a wide receiver running back hybrid. And I mean that in no uh, disrespectful way. I think Debo Samuel has kind of changed, you know, the game in a sense of what he does at the position. So um, 
having all of that at the disposal, I think it's really just going to come down to execution and quarterback play. Um, obviously, like there's two sides to it. Their defense has to come through and get stops when needed. Um, and if, if, if they can hold up their end of the bargain, and I say if because, you know, as of late, they haven't played the greatest defense. They're, they haven't played that San Francisco 49ers, you know, defense that we saw all season in the last six, seven weeks or so. So um, if they're able to do that on their end and then the offense, you know, can come out and just execute the game plan and get in the flow of things, because, you know, Kyle Shanahan is is very, you know, to the script. He loves to come out, you know, ready with with 20 plays or so and, and get those get those guys rolling. And if things go well from there, then he can kind of just shift into whatever gear he'd like. But if the Chiefs defense is able to do what they did in the AFC championship and, you know, make Brock Purdy uncomfortable and, and get the 49ers out of their system and, and out of their comfort zone, then we're going to have to start seeing some unorthodox play and, and you know, maybe some unnatural play calling from Shanahan to, to get back into it. So I think it's just about execution. Yeah, this is a Chiefs defense that had an average points allowed in the playoffs this postseason of 13.7 points. Amazing. They also had a QBR allowed of about 43, which is the second best in the postseason. Kevin, how does this 49ers offense match up with this Chiefs defense? I mean, this is a damn good Chiefs defense. They kept the MVP to 10 points. Uh, they kept the league's highest powered offense to seven. And I think that we see, I think how we saw Kansas City kind of like teetering on a, on a bit of a downfall earlier and people were questioning like, is this is this that same team from last year? Are they going to be able to defend their Super Bowl championship? I think that's kind of what the way San Francisco has been playing through the playoffs. Like they should have lost that Green Bay game probably, probably should have lost that Detroit game. And they won those two games, credit to them, and they end up in the Super Bowl. But Patrick Mahomes is a different animal, man. And I, I just think like when you're going up against this team, uh, as good as your defense is, the one game that Kansas City's defense didn't have a great game, Mahomes was the guy, and every time Buffalo scored, Mahomes would come right back and answer. So uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to have an answer for Patrick Mahomes. Not even, I don't think, Travis Kelsey or Pacheco or anybody else. I think you have to have an answer for Patrick Mahomes. And if you don't have an answer for Patrick Mahomes, I think it could be a long night for San Francisco. Drew, you think this is going to be <laughs> – Drew, you think this is going to – we're going to get to that, Drew. Relax. Slow down, buddy. You think – that damn you you made me forget my whole train of thought just now <laughs> um i want to kick it over to the chat real quick ray's in the chat right now shout out to all the viewers that are tapped in with us saying andy Reid's gonna run circles around shanahan coaching wise june you think this is gonna be one of those instances where the first team to score is probably gonna win this game or is this gonna come down to uh to a historic super bowl finish no i it, it might be in between somewhere in between there i don't think that you score first and, and you win. I don't. Uh, I think it's going to be a long game. You know, the Super Bowl goes quick. Like that first half, football really, like first quarter goes by in a blink. Second quarter kind of gets through and then third quarter slows a little bit. And then the fourth quarter is like almost an hour. But this game I feel is going to be like, we might have a long first quarter. We might have a long second. Like the, the whole game might just drag out. And I think that we're going to see a lot of, great execution on both sides of the chiefs offense and defense and the 49ers offense and defense. And it's going to be that oil water 
where, you know, like, but at one point, who's going to make the play to change the game, right? And and so I think that not so much whoever scores first wins the game, but whoever has that game-changing play can can kind of find that momentum and take the game over, um, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Kev, I want to direct this question towards you. If the 49ers are to lose this game, is there a window of is there a championship window of opportunity closed for the immediate future? I don't think so. I mean, I think that's still a competitive team when uh when you look at it, like Purdy is he's he's shown that he can take a team to the Super Bowl. Um granted he's got the probably the best pieces in the league around him with Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey. Um, you know, so but do I think that the window's closed? No, not at all. I think that um, Shanahan's a great coach. Uh, as long as he doesn't have a lead in the fourth quarter, he's a great coach. And um, yeah, so I, I think San Francisco can still compete and still be there. You know, even if they lose this year, I think there's, they just lost, what, four years ago? And they're right back and they've been competitive every year since then. So I don't think their window's closed. My thing is, to your point that they were here four years ago and they've been competitive since and made NFC championships. They don't have the Super Bowl yet. And another loss here. Where do we go from here? Kind of thing, because this is the team to win the Super Bowl. I mentioned this maybe one or two weeks ago where I think EP mentioned like they were missing McCaffrey. Right. And then I was just saying, like, now they got Brock Purdy. They have McCaffrey and the defenses are just a little more shirt up. I don't know how many more opportunities they're going to have. Obviously, you know, it looks like this team will be back together for the most part next year, but you can't just expect to get to the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl every year. Um, And so if they don't win this game, I'm just interested to see the direction that they take um, going forward. I don't don't call for coach's head because I think, like you said, Kev, Shanahan's a really good coach. He's a great coach, actually, and he gives you your best shot as San Francisco, but – um, I do feel like there's going to be a sense of urgency and, and a and a uh, extreme frustration from the John Lynch's of the world um, if you know if they find a way to lose this game. Yeah, I asked that question because I mean they have a lot of and they being the 49ers, they have a lot of players that are coming up on contracts extensions. I mean you have Javarius Ward, you got Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Dre Greenlaw. Obviously, CMC's is drastically underpaid at this point. So he's going to get it back. All these other people have contract extensions coming up. So I don't know if they're going to be able to bring back this, you know, complete core again next year. So to me, I think, I don't want to say it's closed for the immediate future, but I think that it definitely, you know, the hole in the window definitely gets a lot, 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 lot slimmer, a lot slimmer. I want to take it over to props. By the way, uh, Vegas has Chiefs to be up at the half and win the game at 2-1 to one odds. I'm not telling you to take it. Just giving you a little information. The Super Bowl line is still San Francisco minus 1.5. As a road team, you know, obviously it's a neutral site, but they are the road team. Kansas City will be the home team for this game. Who do you think will have more receiving yards, Kev? Is it going to be George Kittle or Travis Kelsey? So, I want to say Kelsey, but I do think Kansas City is going to do a good job 
containing Debo, and I think that's going to give Kittle a lot of openings. So I think Kittle could end up with more receiving yards, but I think they'll likely be more empty than Kelsey's receiving yards. I think Kelsey's going to have the more important yards uh, as the game goes on, and I think Kittle's going to rack up yards because he's open. But, um, yeah, I, I think I think Kelsey's going to make more of an impact. Yeah, I mean, I like the, you know, when you said, I want to say Kelsey, I like the reason you gave Kittle. It's because of Debo Samuel's impact and the opportunity that will be there for, uh, for, for Kittle. But, listen, man, this Chiefs team, man, they, they stick to their guns. They ride with what works. And for whatever reason, I said this throughout the regular season, last year, the year before, the year before that, how is Kelsey open? How? How does he? It's the red zone. How is he wide open in the end zone? How is there a coverage burst where 87 is nowhere within five yards by the next defender? It just seems to happen. And it's not by a fluke. It's not by a mistake. It's no. He is the best tight end in NFL history. Whether you want to argue Rod Gronkowski, fair enough. I believe Travis Kelsey is going to be the best tight end in NFL history when it's all said and done. So we have to respect it as such. Travis Kelsey is going, the Chiefs are going as far as Travis Kelsey takes them. And to me, we saw that in the playoffs where he stepped up big time in these last two games they've played. So um, I don't see anybody who can cover this guy one-on-one on that defense. And if they want to put all their eggs in one basket and, you know, contain him and let everybody else win, hey, that's going to be a good game plan. And last week we saw that Marquez Valdez-Scantling can catch, right? <laughs> we, You know, they, they, they can use other weapons. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take Kelsey here. It's also one of those things where I don't want to put my money against Travis Kelsey or, or Patrick Mahomes for that matter. So, And to your point also of the Chiefs go as far as Kelsey takes them, we saw that. Like we saw that in the regular season. When Kelsey struggled, the team struggled. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Because he had one of his – down years. I mean, go look at his stats. <laughs> it's a down yeah, year, I which mean, is crazy. Yeah. And yeah, he struggled. So, but look at, you know, look at last week, man. He goes and the Ravens look like they, they don't know how to guard him. So, and that's the best defense in the league. I'm not scared of, you know, San Francisco's defense in, in trying to contain 87. Hey, Kev, give me some key players on Kansas City as far, let's go offense first. And let's say outside of Kelsey, because I just gave a Kelsey, you know, question. Outside of Kelsey, who needs to step up in a drastic way for the Chiefs to come out victorious? Uh, I think the run game, Isaiah Pacheco. Like, if Pacheco's running as angry as he's always running, I mean, that looks like just... He, he almost... He reminds me of an angrier Marshawn Lynch, if that's possible. Like, he just looks angry at not only the people in front of him, but the crowd. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think Isaiah Pacheco is probably outside of Kelsey and obviously Mahomes. Pacheco is probably the most important. And then, like, like June brought up Marcus Valdez Scantling. Can he catch passes? Like, can guys not drop passes like they did all year? The Chiefs were the number one team in drops all year. Can your receivers catch passes? And if they can, then I think it's going to be a long night for San Francisco. And I can a thousand percent agree with that. On the defensive end, I mean, my corners, man, the Chiefs' corners are just gonna gonna have to be on one. Legarius Need is gonna can have to continue to play out of his mind. 
on the I'll go back to the offensive end. I think Rasheed Rice is gonna have to have a very, very, very big game. I mean, I don't know how you know Andy Reid's gonna game plan to you know I don't know make sure Traverius Ward isn't on him the entire game because we're not throwing nothing. We're not throwing no go routes. We're not throwing nothing outside of the outside of the numbers outside of the hash marks against Traverius Ward because you know Frank. Quite frankly. That that is a scary, scary task, if you ask me. Uh, probably be a lot of a lot of screen plays, a lot of the Forty ers are the number one team against against crosses, and you know we love to use. And I say we because you know I'm a Chiefs fan, of course. We love to use Rasheed Rice in, in those quick slant routes and things like that. So it, it's going to take some specific game planning, like Ray alluded in the comments. Shout out to Ray in the comments. It's going to take some specific and particular mastermind game plan. June, what about on the other side of the ball? What are some key players for San Francisco? Uh, who's going to have to step up for them to come out victorious for the first night, for the first time since the 1994 season? Uh, on their offensive side? Yeah, let's go offense. Listen, this is just as simple as it looks. It's the battle of the two best teams right here in the biggest game of the year and where you need your biggest players to make the plays. There's no, oh, you know, Rashi Rice, I, I like that you mentioned him because he's not a – you know, X factor where can't like, no, Rashi Rice is, is, has been a really good rookie for this team all season long and probably their most consistent receiver. Um, and also had a great playoff debut. So got to give him credit. I do expect him to have a good game. Um, but yeah, I think it's the trio. It's Kittle, Kelsey, uh, Kittle, McCaffrey, and Debo with some Ayuk. Like we have to see Ayuk, you know, involved here as well. But the biggest, biggest thing and, it's not it's not his fault, but Brock Purdy, we have to are you gonna be the guy that takes them where they need to go? Because they've had the team to get them there the whole time. And for me personally, it's been the quarterback that needed to get them over the hump. Brock Purdy last year in the NFC championship game, that Eagles team was great. And I do think they won either way, but he got hurt, you know, and we didn't get a chance to see him in the second half and see what he can do. This is his opportunity. We saw in the second half last week that they came back against that Lions team who is no, you know, no slouch. They don't have as good of a defense, especially defensive backfield as the Chiefs, but that's a team that got there for a reason and was there for a reason. And so Brock Purdy is going to be the biggest factor in this game. Can they, can he take them over the hump? Because the Super Bowl isn't won by just making a little bit of plays here and there. You know, you got to go. So I'm looking for Brock Purdy. Glock Purdy, as they say. Like I mentioned, the Chiefs, man, point and a half underdogs. You know, like I alluded to earlier throughout the season, and Kev mentioned it, most drops as far as the wide receiving core in the league. At the same time, they are defending champions. Kev, are the Chiefs true underdogs in this game, or does Vegas have this line messed up? Uh, if you ask me, they shouldn't be underdogs. Like I'm taking Pat Mahomes and points every time you give it to me. So, um, yeah, I'm, I think, <laughs> I think it's, I think the chiefs should be their defending champions. They've been here before they've done this before they beat this team before. Um, so I think the chiefs should be favored. Vegas knows more than me though. So I'll never question Vegas. Um, but if I were to, if you were asking me, it's Pat Mahomes and the points every time. Give it to me. Pause. <laughs> hey, yo. James on his, uh... 
I mean, look, I've said it myself. Niners on a revenge tour. They've been playing. Even when they lost those three straight games earlier on in the season, I think it was like weeks three, four, five, if I'm not mistaken, maybe. No yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little yeah. later. But maybe yeah. a little later, right? I said, hey, look, you know, it, it's – they they're hit, they hit a little bump, but they're going to be okay. This is a solid team. We saw what Brock Purdy did in the playoffs last year before he was hurt. June, are the Chiefs true underdogs? Or are you like Kev? You'll take the points and Patrick Mahomes every time. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that they got it wrong as far as, like, who's the underdog because technically, I mean, this 49ers team was a better team all season. They're um, – essentially stronger you know they have more so um but it's about it's about who has what where and when you have the best tight end in the game the best quarterback in the game and arguably these are two of the best players at their position all time and they're still playing that's that's the crazy part and you also have the better coach you know i i i understand the line because like i said you know what did uh san francisco win 13 games 12 or 13 games this year and it looked pretty all season and the games they lost it was because they weren't at full strength fair enough i I give that to them but it's just one of those things where when you kind of analyze and deep dive deep into what's really good and and what we know as fans yeah i think patrick mahomes shouldn't be an underdog in any super bowl he starts in so um hey uh, go go get that money then, because if you if you bet on that underdog, you gonna win some bread. So four years ago, Kyle Shanahan was in this exact game against this exact opponent, did not come out victorious. We also know that he was a part of the Atlanta Falcons team against the Patriots that also led up a twenty eight to three lead. If the Niners do lose this game, Kyle Shanahan. No Hall of Famer. There's always going to be that asterisk on his name where it's like, you were good. You had great teams. You had great assets, but you couldn't win the big one. You think that's, you think that's factual with the NFL honors actually being tonight, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, announcements being announced? I guess that was a horrible play on words. It, does Kyle Shanahan need this victory to be considered one of the great all-time coaches? June, sorry. Yeah, I I do. I do think so. And I hate to like, you know, he's definitely a great coach, um, definitely has made an impact on this league. One of the more creative offensive minds, run game master, all of that. But to have all the talent that he has had at his disposal for the last five years and, you know, going through Aaron Rodgers and having all of this on his resume not being able to win that Super Bowl will haunt him as far as legacy, as far as, um, you know, all-time great status. Do I think he's still an all-time great coach? Yeah, but we're gonna, there's definitely, I wouldn't say an asterisk, but you're going to look at it a little differently, understanding that he's 0-2 in the Super Bowl, obviously, if they lose this game. 0-2 versus Andy Reid, at that matter. Um, and so, hey, I mean, it, it's just, it's, you got to, you know, he's not the player and all he can do is call his plays and, you know, good game plan this week and have his guys prepared and we'll see what's good on Sunday. But uh, a lot of that, you know, falls back on you, much like the 28 to three loss, as much as everybody's like, yeah, the last time Dan Quinn is a coach, a head coach, you know, look what they did in the Super Bowl. And I get it. But like, 
the guys quit too. You know what I'm saying? Like there, you can't control everything that goes on in, in through, you know, 53 guys minds. So, um, but you're the representer. I, I do think it has a little hit on his legacy. If he, if he fails to win this game. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. <coughs> Take it over to the chat. Shout out to Brill in the chat saying we looking official, you know, the new, the new layout is going crazy. Shout out to, the, to Lou in the chat as well. Said he's late, but he's here. Hey, better late than never. You know what I'm saying? So we appreciate you if you're tapped in with us right now. Now, Kev, a lot of things going on in Kansas City. You know, I'll kick it over to the other coach and Andy Reid. And there's reports coming out that he is the third lowest paid head coach in the AFC West. I know June in the last part, you said it don't matter. I'll take Trump change to win championships. And I hear you. I hear you. Now, there's also reports of Andy Reid possibly walking away after this season, depending on how this Super Bowl run ends up. Could you see Andy Reid stepping away with a win at the Super Bowl, Kev? Um, if I could just rewind real quick. I think even if Shanahan wins, I, I don't have him as like an all-time great coach yet. I don't think he's been coaching long enough to be considered that. Um, however, as far as Andy Reid goes... Kev, real quick, I think that if you beat Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, it kind of, you know what I'm saying? It kind of, it kind Bruce, of amplifies, huh? Bruce Arians an all-time great coach for you? Point made. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to hand there yet. Um, but as far as Andy Reid goes, $10 million is a chump change. I'll take that too. Uh, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I could see it. I could definitely see it. He's older. He's, you know, he's getting to the point where it's like, if he wins a third one, it would be his third, right? If he wins a third one, it's like, you know, what, how much more can you do? Even though with this team, you could probably do a whole lot more, but it makes it more interesting even so that uh, the fact that Eric Bieniemy was just let go of his position in Washington. And I think that could be a name that you maybe look out for if Andy Reid does decide to step away. Uh, maybe B enemy makes a comeback to Kansas city and takes over that team. It's not like he doesn't, he's not familiar with the guys there. They're not familiar with him. So um, I think that makes it a little bit more interesting. And the fact that that could be a possibility. Um, but if I'm Andy Reid, I'm, I'm going, I'm riding until the wheels fall off with Mahomes. So. I mean, you gave this guy a half a billion dollars. You know, there was reports that Eric B enemy did visit the Kansas City Chiefs prior to the AFC Championship this year, spoke to the offensive team, to the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, I mean, I, I think I think that fact makes the fact that they never, that Washington didn't let him go, they just hired somebody else for his job a little more interesting. Like, there was something in the water already that he knew was going on. So, yeah, those reports that he jetted back, met with the Chiefs, talked to the offensive guys, you know, the turnout was a turnout. The Chiefs won the AFC Championship and now in the Super Bowl again. June, the moment that we've all been waiting for. Chiefs, plus one and a half. Niners, minus one and a half. Super Bowl 58. Who you got and why? Yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs. One main reason is really like it's the Brady effect. I'm going to treat this as such. I cannot put money against Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to fool myself. I've seen it. We've thought he was down and out at points in games. We've saw this season. We thought he was down and out in the regular season. You can't. You can't. 
And um, going back to Ray's point in the comments, shout to Ray, shout to Lou, shout to Brill. Appreciate y'all for being here. Andy Reid is 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 a is an amazing coach, right? And he has his guys prepared. He's adjust. He knows how to adjust on the fly. He lets his not only his quarterback, but he lets his players play to their strengths and to their comfort levels. And that kind of, in my opinion, lets you play as freely as possible. You know, um, with all that being said, yeah, I got Kansas City in a good game. I don't, I don't, I don't have a score prediction. I don't really like score predictions, but I do think Kansas City comes out victorious. And EP, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be up here on Monday talking that shit. I don't think we're gonna do a Super Bowl Sunday. Pro- we might. We'll see how we feeling. Um, we'll see how we feeling. Maybe do a little post game show. You know what I'm saying? Uh. But if not, I think you'll be popping shit on Monday for sure. Kev, Super Bowl Sunday. Who you got and why? I'm rolling with I'm rolling with Mahomes, man. Like like I said weeks ago on the show, you can't. I, I'm not betting against him. I don't recommend anybody bet against him. Uh, he's just proven to be that guy now. Uh, that's this is his era of football. Um, so I got Mahomes, and if June doesn't want to give a score, I will. I'll go thirty to thirteen, Kansas City. I don't think it's going to be that close. Jeez, thirty to thir- a seventeen, a two-score game. Yeah, take that. Uh, last play of the game is QB Neal. <laughs> what color is the game going to be, boys? That one I don't know. That's yeah, that's give me, give me, give me Chiefs red, bro. Give me Chiefs red. I, I don't know. I, I think I think they might give me uh, give you like like lions blue that that glacier freeze, which was the first Gatorade flavor I ever had as a youngster. I'll never forget glacier freeze. That's my shit. That's OG right there. I mean, listen, I've I've spoken all season about this revenge tour that the Niners are on, and I think while it might have just sounded like I'm just speaking on you know last year and their kind of meltdown in the NFC Championship after Brock Purdy was hurt and all that. I think subconsciously, I think it had a lot to do with Super Bowl 54 four years ago and the Chiefs doing what they did to him in those last, call it 20 minutes or so, to come out victorious. It's not going to be an easy game. I think that we do have, we, the Chiefs do have a, a better defense than four years ago when this matchup was in, you know, this same position down in South Florida. I do think that the Niners at this point have a better defense than four years ago when this matchup was in South Florida. The offensive side of the ball is a little tricky. Bienemy not being there is a little tricky for me. But at the end of the day, if you was wondering what shade red I have on, let me treat this like draft day and put the hat on after I give the take. It's going to be a Chiefs victory. We're going back to back for the first time since the Patriots did it in the early 2000s. And you know what, Kev? I fuck with you. So I'm going to also give a prediction of <laughs> 21 to 17. I think it'll be a closer game, but the Chiefs will win. You want to take the plus 105 with the Chiefs money line? Take it. If you're scared, go to church, take the point and a half. That don't make no sense to me, but do what you want. But it's going to be a back-to-back Chiefs Super Bowl, back-to-back 
Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl MVP. And if he didn't have so many drops in the season, he'd have another MVP in his hand. But shout out to that boy, Lamar Jackson, because he was killing it all regular season. Yeah. Hey, real quick. I haven't, none of us, I'm surprised we haven't heard this name all pod. Um, And I don't want to finish the pod without mentioning his name because I said this last week and I didn't bring him up this week. And I think it's disrespectful. And I mentioned Spagnolo as a, you know, as an X factor, as the defense being an X factor, but it starts again in the middle. It starts in the trenches. His name is Chris Jones. He's number 95. He clogs up the middle. He harasses the quarterback. He, de- he demanded the Chiefs pay him what he wanted until he stepped on the field this season. And he didn't play for the first month or so. He got on the field, made an immediate impact. And even until week 18, where he got a sack and cashed in for over a million dollars because he's just that good. He knows the Chiefs need him and the Chiefs know the Chiefs need him. So for that being what it is, Chris Jones has to have a great game. And that his first task has to be stopping Christian McCaffrey and just clogging up the middle. Like, make it uncomfortable. Obviously, he'll get to the quarterback. He's a pass rusher at heart, big guy, but he needs to buckle down and stuff the middle and force Christian McCaffrey to the boundary. And, you know, it's going to come down to making tackles, right? Cornerbacks are going to have to tackle. Um, but Sneed and, and, and uh, you know, Gay, you guys got good outside speed. Um, and and good tacklers, so I don't see there being too much of a problem. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey to tackle him and and to game plan for him is easier said than done. But uh, Chris Jones, man, you got to give him credit. He came in here and talked his shit, and and this is this is why he talks the way he does. And I'm not mad about how arrogant Chris Jones is as a player. He's a nasty, hard nosed D tackle who earns all of his dollars. So shout out to him. <laughs> And uh, just to get something correct, he missed the first game of the season. He came back week two against the Jaguars. Okay, so it was the preseason. Okay, so yeah, yeah, he missed the preseason. You're good. He missed the first game. I remember I was I was in Capri. I was in Italy when I told everybody, "Look, this Chiefs Jaguars game. Take Chiefs money line. Don't take the points because you know they don't really cover. They just win." I remember this. I was on the I was on the the swing coming down Capri on the mountain and everything when I was typing up the message. Weird flex, but okay, you know. Hey, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> nah, it's a flex, bro. Um, shout to Italy. <laughs> uh, shout to G. Let's risk more profit in the chat. EP, Geo, Antoine, Don, all family of the All Things Sports Podcast. Let's risk more profit. I've been waiting for them to create some sort of social media account so they can really get it popping. I don't know who's in charge of that, but whoever's listening from LRMP family, get that going. The crowd needs to hear the locks. The crowd needs to know how good you guys are at what you do. And 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 just stay tuned, boys, because I'm thinking it's going to be around baseball season. That's where they really, really be killing it. But G said light blue Gatorade. I'm sorry. Uh, G said Chiefs money line all day. He got Chiefs winning 31-21. And my cousin Lou said light blue Gatorade is the only color that matters. Shout out to him. Shout out to G. Shout out to Grant, my boy Grant Pack in the building. Grant Pack, uh, so you know, EP is a Ravens fan. So, you know, be nice. Be nice. Uh, but he comes with respect all the time. And he said that the new layout is clean. He likes the shout out to Lamar Jackson. And, um, yeah, I mean, Lamar, sh- sh- listen, 
shout out to the MVP of the NFL. We must say that. Lamar Jackson, congratulations on winning your second MVP. Um we we uh we always love watching you play. We wish you could have been in the bowl. Obviously, EP is glad that you're not. But regardless of the fact you do a lot of things uh for the community in Baltimore, you know, you 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 got a lot of kids looking up to you around the country in Broward County, especially. So just keep doing what you're doing. And um, I hope this isn't the last one. I don't expect it. But next MVP, I want it to be a Super Bowl MVP. Shout out to you. Speaking of LRMP, um, the the play I gave out in the last part didn't really cash. You know, I, I, if anybody took it, I apologize. It, it's like that. That's the nature of gambling. But tonight, I'm going to give you another one. And it's gonna go. I'm gonna take it to the NHL before we go to the NBA. I'm taking it to the NHL, and I'm taking it to the home team. The Florida Panthers are hosting the your Washington Capitals. June, I know, and I know not your team, but your boy plays on the team in uh, in, in Ovechkin. Got the OV. Hey, Panthers! Panthers minus one and a half. Take it to the bank. It's cashed in three out of the last five head to head. Three out of the last four in Florida head to head. I mean, Capitals have lost by. More than one goal in four out of the last five games. They're just kind of in a free fall. Take Panthers minus one and a half. We are going to take this over to the hard court, as they say, in the NBA. Hardwood, hardwood. Hardwood hardwood on, yeah, hardwood definitely big on the pause. I should have let you just go with hardcore. Sounds weird. (laughs) Yo, every day, every, every day, every pod I want to say, I want to say that, but I'm just like, it's not even worth it. That's why I always like pause for a second. We can go with the association, you know. The association definitely sounds a lot better. Basketball works, you know. The association definitely sounds a lot better. Not gonna hold you. Not gonna. We're gonna take you to the hardwood. Hey yo. (laughs) Um, a lot of things happened in this, and you could say not a lot of things happened. You could say a lot of things happened. It just really depends on how you want to view it. Um. Kev, I'm going to take it away real quick. Biggest surprise in this trade deadline before it ended or, you know, biggest acquisition. What stood out to you with this trade deadline coming to an end? Um, I was surprised, actually, with the um, the P.J. Washington deal. Um, I thought I think P.J. Washington's on one of the best contracts in the league. Um, so I'm not sure what Charlotte's plan is. I don't think that Charlotte knows what Charlotte's plan is. So uh, they traded for Grant Williams, who I believe is on a longer contract, making more money than PJ Washington. If I'm, I could have that wrong, but I believe that's the case. Um, so that trade to me, just, I don't know what Charlotte was doing. I love it for Dallas. Um, but yeah, that to me was the biggest um, surprise, I guess uh, you could say. What about you, June? By the way, yeah, Grant, Grant Williams is on a, Four year fifty three, um, PJ Washington's on a three year forty six, so a um, little questionable there. And when has Charlotte ever known what they were doing or what direction they want to go in? I mean, it's it's pretty sad that we're we have to watch stars like Lamelo Ball and upcoming star, rising star Brandon Miller, who's kind of just been had this stretch of a month of amazing basketball played like hopefully you know things can get figured out it's like the Cade Cunningham thing in Detroit but is what it is um um surprised I wasn't I wasn't really surprised it wasn't really a trade today that I that I saw and was like oh my god um I think that 
I think that as as quiet as the Knicks were after the Obi or not the Obi trade, but the uh, Ananobi trade, I knew that they would probably make one more move or get rid of that Fournier contract. I wasn't sure how big or effective or impactful the move would be, but I think that them getting Burks back and Bogdanovich back from Detroit, even after you know Detroit throughout the season has said like we're not interested in trading Bogdanovich for whatever reason, but. The man's a walking triple-double. That's probably the reason. Funny, as we're speaking about this, I got the ABC7 News on, and they're talking about it right now. So Quentin Grimes is gone. Malachi Flynn is gone. Evan Fournier, Ryan, uh, whatever, Arch, the uh, you-know-who, and uh, two first, two second-round picks, I believe, got the job done. And and just to kind of talk about this trade here, man, like you're bringing in a 20-point-per-game scorer who's a lethal three-point shooter. He shoots over 40%. Alec Burks is another bench uh 40% from three guy who has familiarity in New York already that he's a he's a fan favorite from my understanding and um it's just like the Knicks got deeper with the Ananobi trade Facts. And now with this trade it kind of just like okay this is this team is this team is really going for it all right here and you got to respect it I mean Leon Rose has a goal you know he has a goal and he's putting his franchise in the best position to achieve so. Uh, now, whether they do or not, look, I'm not here for that. We'll talk about that when that really matters. I don't believe they will. But I do have to give credit, you know, again, like, for them making the moves. And and it's funny because Ananobi's been missing games. He's got this elbow. Nobody wants to say anything. And now it turns out he had a little surgery. And so I've, I heard you know, rumblings on Twitter from – from Knicks fans that, okay, he's probably hurt. He's probably needing a surgery. He's probably getting a surgery. So I, that thought came to my mind, and I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. And then you see these trades today, and it was one of those things like, no, we had to make these moves today uh, to be able to, you know, we're dealing with Julius Randle out for a couple more weeks. And now Ananobi's going to miss a few weeks. Jalen Brunson, whether he misses more than two to three weeks, it's an ankle, you know, and those are like easily tweakable again. So we want to make sure he gets back to full strength. So – um, it's just a sure up move and, and one of those moves that's going to promise them, you know, uh, a fair shot in the playoffs. So I respect that. I will say about Bogdanovich really quick. He's been dealing with a calf injury since the beginning of the season and he was just out yesterday. Who knows if that had to do with because they wanted to just preserve him for the trade. But calf injuries to me, especially lingering ones, are terrifying. And uh, as far as the 20 points per game, I mean, that's. Fair, 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 fair. I do got to spit facts, yeah. but I get it. <laughs> no, he will not be a 20-point-per-game or 12-point-per-game scorer in New York. And they'll go crazy when he's not. Here we go. Here we go. We did have Duante Murray associated to some uh, trade rumors, specifically going to New Orleans, but it seems like New Orleans was not willing to give up C.J. McCollum, understandably. Duante Murray stays in Atlanta. Kev, did that surprise you? Um, uh, n- no, because I, I don't know what their asking price was. And I think it may have been a little bit too much for what teams are willing to give. I'm also a believer that if there's one that they're looking at moving the wrong guard, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, Trey Young is Atlanta, bro. That's not happening. Trey Young needs to come off, play off the ball more if he wants to stay in Atlanta, in my opinion. But who am I? Hey, yo, listen, you are big Kev Shotic. 
Listen, don't ever question yourself, all right? I see the talent, all right? Don't ever question yourself, and you be knowing shit. I see um, the vision. I see the vision. Kev, Kev got a lot of points on this podcast that have come to real life or thoughts that have, you know, have come to fruition. So, but I, I, if you're asking me, I was a bit surprised that DeJounte Murray stayed, and it was more so just because of how much his name was brought up in trade talks. It felt inevitable. We didn't know if it was going to be at one point Miami, whether it was going to be New York, and then, you know, New Orleans became like the latest, uh, I guess, candidate. But, yeah, I think Atlanta's asking price was pretty high, so so teams stayed away. And um, for and better or worse, What's rightfully that? so. No, I was saying rightfully so. They've got a they yeah, they yeah a lot. you definitely want a big, you know, a big return for a guy like DeJounte Murray if you're gonna give him up. Um he's he's an, he's a good he's a good player. And I believe they gave three or four first round picks for him. So you, you've got to at least recoup two of those and the market just didn't seem like guys were like teams were giving up two firsts in this in this market today. So Gordon Hayward. Out of Charlotte, on his way to OKC, Charlotte seems to be wanting to keep Bridges and pay him the bag that he's probably going to ask for after this season. It looks like they're shipping people out of town to make sure they have the money. How do you guys like Gordon Haywood over in OKC, Julian? I love that move. I think it adds another vet presence in that locker room. They still need another big, you know, to help with some some rebounding and just kind of relieve Chet from, from having to pound so much, but yeah, it's he's a pause. Scorer. Pause. Gordon Hayward is a scorer by nature. You know, obviously after the injury, he hasn't been himself, and confidence has been low. This, that, and the third. But they're not going to ask him to do too much. You know what I'm saying? They, you don't have to do too much if you're Gordon Hayward. You really, I think the biggest thing is like being a professional in the locker room and showing the guys how to handle certain situations. And I think they realize like. We're a top team in the West, and whether they sustain this throughout the end of April, if they lock up the number one or two seed in the West, they need somebody in that locker room to like, all right, guys, this is a lot, but you know what I'm saying? Let's take it game by game. Like a playoff series matters. And so um, real quick on the Toronto trade, what did surprise me, just back to your question, what did surprise me, uh, I just thought about it. Kelly Olynyk went for a first-round pick, and I didn't think Kelly Olynyk was necessarily worth a first-round pick, and that's no discredit to him. The clinic. As far as the, the Olynyk trade, I don't necessarily think that the first was for Olynyk. I think um, I think Agbaji was more the, uh, the get for Toronto. I think they're high on him, so I think that was the... Uh, the first round pick more for Agbaji yeah. than it was. What Kelly. does Masai? What does Masai know that we don't know? Who knows? And in that OKC trade, you got Curry on his way, and not Steph Curry, but Seth Curry on his way back home to Charlotte, where you know they played high school basketball. I think it's going to be a similar thing. They're not going to ask him to do too much. Just like the, you know, they're not going to ask Gordon Hayward to do too much in OKC. It's going to be a very interesting. You know, I think he should get bought out, man. Seth Curry does not deserve to play in Charlotte right now. That is a shooter. That is somebody that can help a contender, you know, go over the top with with some good three point shooting and spacing. What Charlotte's not asking anybody to do too much. (laughs) 
Yo, Steve Clifford, like, I love Coach Clifford. Like, I think he's one of the better coaches in the league as far as, like, you know, his character and what he stands for and, and how he uh, how he goes about, I guess, teaching the game of basketball. Like, but he had to admit himself, like, listen, we, we're not for real. We're just not for real. And the fact that Coach has to say that publicly is embarrassing. I think it's it's, you know, one of those, like, uh, honest things, but like, it's not something that he's never tried to do. It's not something he's never preached to the locker room or anything he's never had to tell the team as far as taking defense more seriously or, you know, not laughing your ass off while we're down 25 at home, things like that. And it's just, it just seems like something they can't shake. I don't know that firing coach Clifford and hiring someone else is going to be the answer. Um, but but then again, what is the answer for Charlotte to kind of turn around as a franchise, Kev? Because very unserious over there. Very. Blow it up. That's the only answer. When your coach is showing more passion than your players, it's time to just blow it up. And, okay, so that brings me to the point that is LaMelo Ball not necessarily a bust, but is he just not ever going to be who we thought he could be? I think it's it's all about your environment at the end of the day. Like he's come up in an environment that's not serious about winning. They don't care about spending money on on real freelance. Like I, I just think he's in a scenario where he's like, all right, I'm gonna go hoop every night and I don't care if we win, I don't care if we lose, I'm gonna just go put up numbers and do my thing. And like you can't blame him after three, four years in that environment. That's what it just becomes. You become a habit of of of, of what's around you. And um so yeah, I just think I think he needs to be somewhere where they have a winning culture if he wants to, or he needs to just become that guy, like become the guy who. who I don't see it in his character, bro. We we've we watched this kid since he was sixteen years old, and he's and you know, sixteen year olds can be goofballs all they want, right? Like he's a goofball, and that's cool. And being a young rook in the NBA, that's cool. You know, you have your time, but bro, he's he's on his second contract now, you know, like when are we going to, when are we going to start to really mature and be the leader of the guys? Like Terry Rozier was that guy in the locker room who, if anything held things together amongst a guy like Miles Bridges, who was dealing with a lot of legal trouble with a guy like LaMelo Ball, who has all the attention in the world and can't stay healthy, but you know, always, always dropping a new shoe. Um, I don't see I don't see a, a route where the Hornets unless they unless they like you said blow it up. Um, I don't see a route where the Hornets become that team and Lamelo Ball is still a part of it. So that's just me. I, Brandon Miller might be better suited for that. He seems like a more poised, mature individual who just wants to hoop and when he seems like he cares about winning. But man, I, it, it does seem like they have a lot of fun and too much fun over there <laughs> for for having such a bad season. You should never be having that much fun while you're losing by 25 points. Like that's and yeah. to your point, like Brandon Miller does seem like the only one who cares. And so if you're Charlotte, I think it's a real you need to really look into what can I get for LaMelo this offseason yeah. and and see where his value is. And if it's worth it to pull the trigger, then pull the trigger and start building around Brandon Miller. Hey, look, we got um I know, Kev, you got to go, bro, so we're going to end it around here. I do want to shout out to the chat. I appreciate y'all for tapping in. We got nine people watching. Well, that seems like just nine people. That shit looks like 100 to me. We got the chat jumping, people, you know what I'm saying, showing love. And I got to say, 
Kev, and said you smile like you got new teeth. <laughs> I wish I had new teeth. laugh for a second because what the hell? But um, we got one more question before we get out of here. Jason wants to know: Has a mellow ball showed you anything uh, to be a true franchise player? Like, and that, I think I kind of answered that as in what I was saying about Lamelo. Um, Nah, I think that if he goes to a situation like Kev said, where maybe he has some other vets, you know, he can definitely contribute to winning. He's a he's a great player. We're not questioning the talent, but just the maturity level isn't there. And and if if you if you want to be a great and have a legacy in this league, you got it. You got to be for real. And he's been he's been the the su- uh, superstar since he's in high school. Like sometimes it's hard to get out of that that mentality of like, all right, it's time for me to grow up little bit immature and and take take the bull by the horns and younger siblings syndrome (laughs) yeah like you you gotta at some point realize like all right this is this is the big boys that i'm playing with now like this isn't high school anymore you know is i'm not playing in australia anymore where the second best player in this league is rj hampton like we it's time to buckle up (laughs) put the pedal to the metal and really like decide are you going to become an all nba player or are you just cool with losing every year and putting up triple double every now and then and and doing a cool like taking a cool step back and making it look nice but he he hasn't shown to be like that mature leader that they need lord banks once said traveling to japan to attract new fans let him get to know the man with the tattoo hands i mean maybe he just wants to be loved around the world who knows who knows you know who definitely is loved around the world happy Gigi and kobe day 2824 this day will probably Damn, you ruined my joke. Hey, respect to the legend. I was gonna say Taylor Swift. Damn. <laughs> nah. Happy Gigi and Kobe Day 2824. We'll never see this date again. Shout out to you know a legend and a up-and-coming legend and star in herself and Gigi. And hate to end it on a solemn note, but you know, life be life in and small town family did lose. A brother this in the last couple of days by the name of Chris Fletcher. Uh, yesterday, early morning, Wednesday, early morning, uh, he did pass away on his way to the hospital uh, and then with an unfortunate gunshot wound. Uh, our condolences to the family, condolences to his kids. Um, we love you. You guys gained a beautiful angel. Um, like I said, I hate to end on a solemn note, but a quick, you know, moment of silence for uh, for Chris Fletcher. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this was your Thursday night, All Things Sports, your number one sports podcast episode. If Once again, if you tuned in live, everybody that's in the live in the chat, tapping in with us, we appreciate you. You could have been anywhere in the world on this beautiful Thursday night, but you were here tapped in with us, us being me, your co-host, Small Town EP, Wade Julian, your host, special guest, Big Kev Shot It, Super Bowl weekend, Chiefs going back to back. Or the Niners going to do it to him? Is, is Glock Purdy going to come out on top? Or is Patrick Mahomes going to get another Super Bowl MVP? Hey, is Travis Kelsey going to propose to his <laughs> And And just real quick, I appreciate y'all having me on this podcast. Uh, the number one sport, my, my number one sports podcast, your number one sports podcast. There was another podcast that dropped today that was ass cheeks. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go watch that Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. Tell me, tell them they ain't fucking with us. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> shout out to them. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. I had, to, I had to get one off as a Heat fan. It is. If we don't see you Sunday night for the post game, post Super Bowl show, we will definitely see you Monday evening. And until then, we out.
Peace.